Welcome to the teaching ministry of Reverend JFK Mensa, a seasoned Bible teacher with over 40 years of ministry experience. He is a pastor, a church planter, a missionary, and an international conference speaker. He is passionate about making Christ-like disciples worldwide. JFK Mensa is the General Overseer of Great Commission Church International. May you be transformed as you listen to the Word of God. Father, we thank you that the revelation of these truths will change our lives forever and give us a message for the world so that we can stand up as no religion can ever stand up in Jesus' name. Amen. We are treating the topic, our union with Christ. And yesterday, I defined it for you to mean our connectedness with Christ. In Christ, Christ in us, with Christ, through Christ, putting on Christ, being one spirit with Christ. All that falls under the broad title our union with Christ. And yesterday, I came up with ten of the most important things we can see from the New Testament concerning our union with Christ before time began. These things happened in the mind of God. Not yet in history. And a quick revision. The order may not be the way I gave it yesterday, but number one, is that God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. Number 2, God wrote our names in the Lamb's book of life before the world began. Revelations chapter 13, verse 8. Number 3, God gave us a kingdom. Matthew chapter 25, verse 34. Before the world began. Number four, God blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ when He chose us in Him. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Then, number five, God adopted us as His sons and daughters before the world began. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, and a little of verse 6. 
Number six, God predestined that we should be conformed to the image of His Son so that Jesus will be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. Then number seven, God did not only foreknow us, He also called, He justified, He glorified us. Romans 8, 30. Number eight, is that God gave us a calling before time began. Second Timothy 1, 9. Romans chapter 11 verse 29 says, The gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. Number nine, God gave us good works to do for Him in advance. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which He prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And number 10 God said He was doing all these things so that in the ages to come eternity to come He will show us the riches of His goodness, His kindness. We haven't seen anything as yet. It is that, that time we shall see Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 4 all the way to verse 7. So, this is what we saw yesterday in the morning. Some people have asked questions whether this union can be broken and so on. That is why we are coming to class 2 today. But, some of the things which will be soaking into your mind right now, is that, first of all, you cannot boast before God. Because salvation is a gift. And He chose you in Christ before the foundation of the world, in a way. So you have no ground for boasting before God. Secondly, if you are not in Christ, then God never chose you. If you are not prepared for holiness and blamelessness before God, God never chose you. If you don't want to be like Christ, if Christ's likeness is not in your mouth and in your heart, God never predestined you. He never chose you. You are lying if you say you were chosen. And the scripture is clear that we are not saved by good works, but we are saved for good works. And all these things were in the mind of God at the time that He was planning for our salvation. Now, today we are looking at the second leg of our union with God. That is The events, the happenings, which made God decide to send Jesus and to, to effect our union with Jesus. 
Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, 27 begins by saying, God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness so that they can rule over all the works of God's hands and multiply, fill the earth. So in the image of God created he them male and female. You know the story. But what happened was Satan entered the garden and deceived first Eve and Adam joined the rebellion and they disobeyed God they ate the forbidden fruit and man fell into sin this fall of man brought at least six big problems for God to solve the first problem is what we call indwelling sin. Man, according to, we can read it, let's read Romans chapter 7, let's read verse 14, and then we can tackle verse 18 all the way to 20. Romans chapter 7 from verse 14 to 18 first of all 14 just 14 14 yes then 18 to 20 we know that the law is spiritual but I am unspiritual sold as a slave to sin you see by our fall into sin man became unspiritual sold to sin we became slaves of sin Romans 3.23 says there is none righteous all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God Jeremiah 17.9 says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it God himself saw man in Genesis 6.5 and 6 and said mm -mm -mm -mm. every imagination of the thoughts of, of man's heart was only evil continually he said in Genesis 8.21 Man is evil from his youth. Yes, read the Romans 7 from verse 18. To Romans 7 from yes. verse 18. Yes. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. I know that good itself does not dwell in me. No human being. Buddhist, Muslim, Shinto, Hindu, Christian, a Jehovah Witness, a Mormon, a, a African traditional religion, no human being has good in him. All the motivational speakers who say you can be anything you want to be, you can be, just really want it, and they are lying because the Christian Bible says no good thing dwells in any human being. That is in my sinful nature. Yes. For I have the desire to do what is good. I desire to do good. But I cannot carry it out. I have no power to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do. I don't do the good I want to do. But the evil I do not want to do. This I keep doing. Evil I don't want to do, I keep doing. I don't want to be involved in pornography, but I keep doing it. 
I don't want to masturbate. I keep doing it. I don't want to tell small, small lies. I keep doing it. I don't want to gossip. I keep doing it. I don't want to be lasting after girls. I keep doing it. Yes. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. Sin dwells in you. Sin lives in every human being because of the fall. Number two problem the fall brought is that our character became so different from the character of God that now after the fall we have to build godly character. When he created us, we had the godly character. Now, we are fallen. We have to learn how to love. You have to learn joy. You have to learn peace. You have to learn humility. You have to learn faithfulness. You have to learn meekness. You have to learn self-control. You, because the fall broke the image of God in us. So that was the second problem that God had to deal with. So you see that the Galatians 5, 22 and 23, it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control. Why do you need fruit of the Spirit if you have it? If you have it, you need the fruit of the Spirit. But no human being has it. So the uphill task of building godly character, Christly character, must be handled by heaven. You can understand why he says that in Second Corinthians three eighteen that we all, with unveiled face, beholding us in the mirror, the glory of the Lord, we are being changed into the same image from one degree of glory. Because you now have to be changed into that image. At first, we were in that image. The third problem that God deal with was intimacy with God, friendship with God. Because when we fell in the garden, God drove human beings from His presence. He drove us away from the garden of Eden and put a cherubim with a sword, flaming sword, two-edged flaming sword that no human being should come near the tree of life. So we lost the presence of God. The only presence of God is all over the world. But building friendship with God became a big challenge for human beings. The fourth challenge that the fall of man brought is the issue of working for God. Because our character was so bad and indwelling sin was troubling us, it's like somebody who has kerosene or palm nut uh, soup on your hand. If you touch a white thing, 
It will smear the white. Anything you touch becomes defiled because your hands are dirty. So Isaiah 64, 6 says, all our righteousness is like filthy rags before God. The reason is simple. Because you are dirty. You are soiled. You, you, are, you, you are dead in trespasses and sins. Therefore, when you do anything to please God, it's called dead works. Yes. You see, let's say you finish fornicating and then you come and you give one million CDs to CDM. You see, we will hail you, but heaven will spit. Because he's looking at your life. So, good works, doing good works to work alongside with God became a problem. So you can't work for God. And he doesn't need you to work for him anyway. Because as you are, you, you, nothing about you will ever do anything good. Then, there was the fifth problem. Satan. This Satan held all of us prisoners. First John chapter 5 verse 19 says that we are of God, but the whole world lies in the power of the devil. First John 5:19, we know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. The whole world, the whole world, the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Second Corinthians 4, 4 says, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that the light of the gospel of Jesus will not shine to them. So, what do we have? We now have to wrestle with Satan morning, afternoon, evening. Ephesians 6.12 says, We are not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against world rulers, spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And so, if you are an unbeliever, you are zero. Because you, you don't have, you are, you are dead in trespasses and sins. And uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2 and 3 say that, Just as God is at work, in Christians to will and to do according to his own pleasure. Satan is at work in unbelievers, the prince of the power of the air, to disobey God. So, God has to find a way by which we will be strong enough to break the power of Satan over our lives. And Jesus said in Luke 10, 19, Behold, I give unto you power to trample upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing, nothing shall by any means hurt you. you the, heaven has to find a way to make human beings such that they can combat Satan all the times they are alive on this earth and win the battle. Then the sixth problem was living together in peace with one another. <laughs> then Adam and Eve, according to Genesis chapter 2 verse 25, they were both naked, but they were not ashamed. They were at peace. Naked, but at peace. Then they ate the forbidden fruit. 
And they said, oh, we are naked. And so they sowed leaves quickly to uh, cover themselves. And they heard God walking in the garden. And they rushed and hid under a tree. Then God came and said, Adam, where are you? They said, oh, we heard the sound, your sound in the garden. And then we hid ourselves because we are naked. And God said, who told you you are naked? Have you eaten of the fruit of the tree I told you not to eat? And then the trouble began. The man said, the woman you gave to be with me. She gave me an eye. The woman. The woman you gave to me. You see, the quarrel has begun. So all the problem with husband and wife, is not today. It's from Titi. So two people living at peace is a problem. It's a problem. Jesus prayed before he died that that they may be one. Because brother and brother, sister and sister, sister and brother, stay, two people staying at one place in peace and unity and love. Psalm 133 he says, uh, how sweet and pleasant it is for brothers to live together in unity. Just, if they are three, it's worse. And four, it's well war. Five, confusion. Six, Tower of Babel. You see? So whenever you see human beings anywhere, they are busy quarreling. Why did she look at me like that? And why did you do this? And not for me, I don't like that. And you be very careful. And, and, and you see them every, because we are all imperfect, fallen human beings. And the church is made up of such people. Unfortunately for us, it's like a hospital. You have come because you have a cough, a cold. And I have come because I have a sore. And Another person too has come because he has, you know, a cough. Oh no. Okay, cough. So every minute the mouth of the cough says, Tong long, tong long, tong long, tong long, tong long. He says, Oh, keep quiet. You are making too much noise. But your soul too is smelling. You see? So we are in church. Everybody is looking at the other person and saying, oh, this sister, she gossips too much. But you too, you tell small lies too much. You see, work on yourself. Jesus says that you are carrying a log in, on your eyes. Then you tell your friend, can I remove the speck in your eye? Can I help you? Can I help you? So these were six giant problems heaven had to solve with the fall. There are more, but these are the key ones. So, God sent His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus came as 100% God and 100% man, but one person. And Hebrews 4.12 says, he was tempted in every way like us, yet without sin. First John 3, 5 says, He appeared to take away our sin. In Him is no sin. 
Second Corinthians five twenty one says, He who knew no sin, God made him to be sin for us, so that we shall become the righteousness of God in him. Hebrews seven twenty six says that this is the kind of high priest we need. Somebody who is apart from sin. First Peter two twenty two says he did no sin, neither was guile lying found in his mouth. So in case you think that Jesus he wasn't a real human being, Hebrews chapter two, verse fourteen says he took flesh and blood to be like us. Because he didn't come to die for angels. John chapter 1 verse 14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. Glory as of the only begotten Son of God. But, this kind of clean life among unclean people Cause both man and Satan a lot of problems. So finally, finally, they crucified Jesus. And crucifixion was the greatest torture the Cartaginians and the Romans devised to punish a notorious criminal. Armed robbers, bandits, you know, People who were incorrigible because they first scourge you with a cut of nine tails. It's a, it's a whip, but it's made of nine, nine whips bound into one. And it's not just a whip, they tie broken bottles, broken uh, bones. And broken nails to each whip. And so when they lash you, they don't allow it to fall. They pull it so that it can tear your flesh. Then vaga. Then wham. Then bam. Then tim. And the Jews. God gave them strict command never to kill anyone more than 40 times. But the Romans did not have that law. So they, they whip you until you, are, you collapse. So when, after they scored Jesus and brought him out, the women started weeping. You see, because, look at them, the way, how can you treat them like this? Somebody's son. Then, they said he should carry his cross. Those days, the patibulum was the crossbar made of wood. And the criminal carries it and passes town to disgrace you. And your, you know, all your your scourging plus the wood made life difficult. 
And the Bible says, the 33 and a half year old Jesus, he couldn't carry his cross to where they were crucifying him. So the soldiers found an African, Simon the Siren, and they subpoenaed him to help Jesus. And this African carried the cross, the last lap for Jesus. The last lap. And you know, when you read it, the people who wrote the Bible, their heart melted. Because this is their Lord. This is the man who walked on the sea. This is the man who raised Lazarus dead four days from the grave. This is the man who fed 5,000 with five loaves of bread and two fishes, and they gathered 12 baskets full. This is the Jesus hmm, who cast out seven demons out of Mary Magdalene and healed the man with legion of evil. This, so they just wrote, and they crucified him. <laughs> because the crucifixion was too much for their hearts to take. They nail you. They nail your left hand, your right hand, and I forgot even to tell you about the crown of thorns. But, you see, for me, when I read the account, one of the things which bothers me is the people who were slapping Jesus and spitting on his face. If you have nothing to do, is it the son of man whose face you should spit? Is it the judge of the world whose face you should spit on? You have nothing to do. You are free. You know, some policemen and soldiers are like that. And sometimes even neighborhood guards and so on. Immediately they hear, Sayo, they start beating you, slapping you, without hearing anything. Then they, they start molesting you. And so they brought Jesus and three times Pontius Pilate came and said, I find no fault with this man. Three times. They all heard it. But they went ahead to slap him, spit on his face. They judged Jesus six times from that evening until they crucified him. So they were all surprised when he died so early. Thirty-three and a half year old Jesus. The all night Jesus. The one who was going to the mountains, Jesus. That Jesus. 33 and a half years old. He died so soon. It was too much. It was too much. And the Bible says, the man who never sinned, he did that for you. He was carrying your sin. That is why. And God, his father, folded his arms and was looking at them. He was looking on. Many people, when their children die, trying to comfort them, they say, God, why me? Why me? Oh God, why can you be so heartless to see my mother dying of cancer like this? He saw his own son being treated this way. He didn't do anything. Is he your sweet? Is so important. So, the Bible tells us that what 
Jesus did, he died. By 3 p.m., he was gone. They crucified him around just before 12 o'clock. And when you hang on a cross, all the blood drains from your head towards your legs like elephantiasis. Eh? Zubo. So, you, you, you become thirsty. So Jesus said, I thirst. Because, you see, you, and there was nobody even to give him water. Can, can you understand? Because from the time they went to the garden and he was arrested until he died, nobody gave him food. Nobody gave him water. Nobody. Nobody. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there? Were you there? But when he was hastily buried in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea on the third day, on the third day, on the third day, on the third day, he rose never to die again. He stayed on the earth 40 days. The Bible says he wanted to give proof. Let's read it. Acts chapter 1. I want you to listen to Acts chapter 1. Listen to verse 2 and verse 3. He's Acts chapter 1. Yes. Verses 2 and 3. And so the day in which he was taken up, after he he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. To whom he also presented himself alive, after his suffering by many infallible proofs. He presented himself alive by many infallible proofs. Being seen by them during forty days. And speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom he, of he, God. He knew that one of the greatest things all human beings will fight is whether Jesus rose from the grave. So he was in no hurry to go to heaven. He stayed 40 days on earth. He fasted 40 days when he started his ministry. But he stayed 40 days on earth after his resurrection. To give proof to human beings. Thomas, come and put your hand in my side and your finger in my print. He said, children, do you have any food? And he ate with them. Eh? He served breakfast. He, he was there, you know, come, touch me. The doors are shut and he enters. Forty days. So that no religion will get up and say, oh, this Jesus Christ, he didn't rise from the dead. He was in no hurry to go to heaven. But after 40 days, he went. And now, he is seated at the right hand of God. He is king of kings, prime minister of the universe. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. And the Bible says, God also, Philippians 2, 9 to 11, has highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name. That are the name of Jesus. Every knee, every knee, every knee, every knee, every knee in heaven, on earth, under the earth, to bow. 
And every tongue should confess Jesus is Lord to the glory of Father. Psalm 110 verse 1 says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make all your enemies your footstool. Every resistant religion, every resistant human being, every body, spirit, human, and non-human is going is being made Jesus' footstool so that he can rub his leg off. So how many minutes do I have left? So because of that. Thank you. So God did eight things with us concerning Jesus. And Jesus did five things for us. Let me list them for you. Number one, we were crucified with Christ. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. It's Christ who lives in me. Romans chapter 6 verse 6 Seeing that our old man was crucified with him. So number one, we were crucified with Christ. Number two, we died with Jesus. We died with Jesus. We will be reading some of them soon. Colossians chapter 2, verse 11 to 13. And Colossians 2, 20. We are going to read Romans 6, 3 and 4. We died with Jesus. Number three, we were buried with Jesus. We were buried with Jesus. I think it's time to read that one, the Romans 6, 3 and 4. Let's quickly read it. Romans, Romans 6, chapter 6, 3 and 4. Verses 3 and 4. Oh, do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Did you hear that? His water baptism is not decoration. Water baptism is your faith in the crucifixion, the death, the burial. And the resurrection of Jesus. So when you believe in Jesus, you are saying what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. I did it with him. I was crucified with Jesus. I died with Jesus. I was buried not in a grave like his, but in water. And I have been raised to newness of life with Jesus. Number four, we were made alive together with Jesus when He resurrected. Let's read Ephesians 2, 
We are reading verses 5 and 6. We were made alive together with Jesus. Ephesians 2, 5 and 6. Even when we were dead in trespasses. Even when we were dead in trespasses. Made us alive together with Christ. God 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 made us alive together with Christ. God, God, God made us alive together with Christ. The proof of this is Romans 8, 11. He says that the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead now lives inside you as proof that the same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead has made you alive together with Jesus. Now, this is a very critical area. I meet people who say, I have received Jesus many times, but I am not changing. Anyone who receives Jesus, you are not changing. You are not born again. The proof of your being born again is that you were dead in trespasses and sins, and because a dead man doesn't feel nice, doesn't feel fire, you were doing those things and you couldn't bother. But if you are alive, you are made alive together with Christ, you wake up. And let's finish the Ephesians 2, 6. He says, we did not only, we were not only made alive, we were raised up together with Jesus. And now we are seated in heaven together with Jesus. Ephesians 2, 6. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Do you see what is happening? 2,000 years ago, God decided because he had already planned the thing from eternity past that, okay, Jesus, your life is their life. Your crucifixion is their crucifixion. Your death is their death. Your burial is their burial. Your resurrection is their resurrection. Your ascension is their ascension. Your sitting at my right hand is the sitting at my right hand of all the children who believe in you. Yes. Verse 6. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. There are three togethers in this verse 5 and 6. We were made alive together. We were raised together. And He made us sit together with Jesus in the heavenly places. The union with Christ is that God has tied you, glued you, nailed you, riveted you, joined you, and, and, and uh, welded you together with Jesus. So that His crucifixion was your crucifixion. His death was your death. His burial was your burial. His resurrection was your resurrection. His ascension was your ascension. His sitting at the right hand of God is your sitting at the right hand of God.
What the Bible is saying is that if you are struggling with any sin, this is the time to overcome it. Because you are dead. And your life is hidden with Christ inside God. Now, we will be looking at the applications later. But let's quickly look at five things Jesus did for us. Please, notice the difference. The things He did with us, we did together with Him, is identification. You see? We were together with Him. But there are some things Jesus did for us. Which you can do, but because you are in Him, He did for you. Number one, He became sin for you. Second Corinthians 5.21. Let's quickly read it. Second Corinthians 5.21. Yes. For He made Him who do you know sin to be sin for us. For us. For us. For us. This is the difference between Christianity and every religion in the world. Christianity is saying that, yes, I am a sinner. I deserve to go to hell. Yes. I'm not quarreling with it. But I am saying that somebody who never sinned and came from heaven came to die for me. That's what I'm saying. I am saying that Jesus used his blood to pay for my sins. He bought me. Yes. Ephesians 1, 7. He says, in him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Amen. One seven. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. You see, the Greek word used here, apolytrosis, means that you free a slave by paying the price for the person. You go to the slave market and you pay the price and the slave now is free. It's like you go to the market, pay, you know, like one dollar. For a piece of yam. And the owner of the yam releases the yam because now you have paid for the yam. It's yours. In the same way, the thing which blocked us from God was sin. The thing which gave Satan power over us was sin. Because once sin came, there was a break between us and God. And when we were removed from God, Satan had power. So when Jesus used his blood to pay for our sins to God, he has paid the price, so we have been released. That is the redemption. You see? First Peter 1, 18 and 19. He says that you were not bought with perishable things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of the Son of God, Without spot or uh, blemish. That is what he was used to purchase you. Acts 20:28. 20, he says, take it to yourself and to the flock of God. So that you shepherd the church of God. Which he purchased with his own blood. 
God bought us with his own blood. The blood of Jesus. He paid for us. Is it okay? Please, can you understand? This is why the Roman Catholic doctrine that there is purgatory for those who are born again is wrong doctrine. The sin has been paid for. So why would God tell you that you should pay for it again in purgatory after your death? Then why did Jesus suffer and die? Then the death of Jesus was the most stupid thing that ever happened. Number two, Jesus became a curse for us. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14 says, Christ has brought us back out of the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Because it is written, curse is anyone that hangs on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham will come upon the Gentiles through Jesus Christ and they will receive the promise of the Holy Spirit through faith. Now, the meaning of this is that, yes, we have a lot of family cases, generational cases, personal cases. And in Africa, it's worse. Because when you look at what your grandfathers were doing, what your grandmothers were doing, the fetishes in your village, and the kind of things which they made you drink when you were small, and the marks they made on your body as you grew, and so on, you know that you are a hopeless slave. And you have used your blood to sign a paper for Satan to be troubling you all your life. So you see that some people, every night they dream, they see somebody coming to have sex with them. Some people, every night you sleep, you see yourself falling into a gutter. Some people, every night you dream, you see wild animals chasing you and you are trying to run, you can't move. Sometimes you, people, you see yourself in water. Every night, sometimes you see yourself, people are putting food in your, your mouth. Sometimes when you dream, you see yourself back in your village. Every time. Or even when you dream, you see yourself back in primary school, back in secondary school. Even though you have left that place. Because there is a spirit in your family, in your life, in your generation, that is fighting your marriage. That is fighting your success. That is fighting you. And these generational things come because God put a curse on people who serve idols. God put a curse on people who lead a blind man astray. God put a curse on every thief. God put a curse. And these are the curses of the law. And heaven and earth will pass away. Not one judge or title can pass from the law unless it's fulfilled. So Christ became a curse for you. And the Greek word used there is exagorazo. It's exagorazo. Agora is market. Exagorazo means to buy something out of the slave market. Jesus became a curse for you and he used that to buy you. Because it is written in Deuteronomy chapter 21 verses 22 and 23 that anybody who is hung on a tree is cursed. So Jesus clearly took your curse. Every curse can be broken over the life of a Christian by Galatians 3, 13 and 14. Every curse. Every curse on your life. Number three thing Jesus did for us is He took our infirmities 
and carried our diseases. Let's read the Matthew chapter 8, verse 16 and 17. It's a quotation from Isaiah 53, verse 4 to 6, but it's explicit in Matthew 8, 16 and 17. Matthew chapter 8. 16 and 17. 16 and 17. Yes. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick. He healed all who were sick. He cast out the spirits with his word, healed all who were sick. Why? Let's hear Verse 17. That is my be fulfilled. What did I tell you about that yesterday? Hina. 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 That, the purpose, the reason was that. Yes. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. He himself, he himself, he himself, he himself, he himself, he himself, he took our infirmities. He carried our sicknesses. He took our infirmities. He carried our sicknesses. You are being healed right now as I'm telling you this. He took our infirmities. He himself, Jesus himself, took our infirmities. He carried our diseases on the cross. He himself, he himself, he himself, he himself took our infirmities. Carried our sicknesses. He carried them. He carried them. He carried them. By his stripes you are healed. 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 He was not wounded and striped and scorched for nothing. It was to carry your infirmities and take your diseases. By his stripes you are healed. For have to finish now is let's read Second Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9 that Jesus we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ how that he was rich but for our sakes he became poor so that through his poverty we might become rich Second yes. Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9 For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ That though he was rich Yet for your sakes he became poor That you through his poverty Might become rich I won't comment much on this We have a lot of time And then lastly The reconciliation The reconciliation between man and God to give us peace came through Jesus Christ. Isaiah 48, 22 says, There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. Ephesians 2, 14 says, Christ is our peace. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7 says, He is the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 26, 3 says, Thou dost keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. When Jesus reconciled us back to God, He gave us peace. 
Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Let's read that quickly. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Yes. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. God bless you. In Jesus' name. Follow JFK Mensa Ministries on Facebook and YouTube and invite others to listen to his podcast. You can also access some of JFK Mensa's books and keep up with his ministry at www.jfkmensaministries.org. God bless you.